Welcome to another episode of the Man's Pursuit Podcast with me, Garth Jew and Sam Parrott. Uh, so we're going to dive into another topic today based on our recent experiences. Something I've been thinking about a lot is how we define this podcast because last time we recorded, we recorded an intro that we were going to use every time we did the podcast. It's up there on the board, something around living on your own terms and this podcast is about pursuing the life you want. But I think we started out doing this podcast just to record the conversations we were having. And I think that's what people resonated with. Yeah. And then we've got a bit obsessed with how to market the podcast, which has ruined it a bit for me. I think we're interested in why, why we're doing it Yeah. so much that it's taken over the, the essence of what we were doing, hasn't it? So now I guess I've been thinking about it a lot this week. What is the point of the podcast? And trying to forget about, the marketing and the one-line value proposition of the podcast and more just saying we are we enjoy having these conversations because we're being thoughtful about our life yeah we're thinking about the life we want to live and who we want to be and how we can get there and the challenges we're facing yeah. so these are just open honest conversations about manhood and i think that's what people resonated with at first so yeah. they're the two key words i think open and honest it's something i value a lot and I think I always grow when I am open and honest, you know, and our conversations have helped me just because I'm, I'm getting to be open and honest, you know, and I think more men need to do that. And that's all we're trying to encourage actually. Yeah. So I got rid of the hip hop track with the, if you want to live the best life, <laughs> got rid of that. And now I'm just thinking, no, it's just a podcast about being thoughtful as a man. Yeah. And we've now got some guests lined up. Which some is really, great guests. Yeah, some awesome guys coming on. And I just want to keep that essence of I'm going to sit down with you. We're not going to give out prescriptions on how to be an epic bloke. Yeah. If you're going to come on this podcast as an interested person that we want to interview, we're going to be open and honest and challenge you to talk about things you may not have talked about before. Yeah. I think that, like you say, like we're not going to try and be gurus. I think that was, that was the thing even giving me the nerves last week was that I was thinking, oh, we, we know, we're prescribing here. And then, you know, oh, the overwhelm takes over. What, what are we trying to do here to say that we, we know exactly what life is about? And that's, it's not what we're doing at all, is it? No. And one of my favourite authors is a guy called Kapil Gupta. And he's, a, he's an interesting bloke, former doctor that became an advisor to PJ Golf Pros and now writes about the truth. But he's got this massive thing about, all about being no prescription. Like there is no prescription everything now in the world is a how-to, how to do this, how to do that. And that's all the online courses, books, all the self-development stuff. It's like, you have to go on your own path. You can't follow somebody else's prescription. Yeah. And I think that's what we're trying to do, isn't it? We're going down our own rabbit hole, our own path to find our own way. And so I think we were veering a little bit into the world of prescription and how-to, worried about building a community that one day yeah. maybe we can monetize. I think you, you naturally do it because you're trying to add value to somebody's life. You know, we are essentially trying to help others. That's the impact we want. But we can just do that by being our oh, natural yeah. selves and being open and honest about what's happening to us and the feelings we're getting and things we're facing. We don't have to prescribe, you know, because nobody's the same. No, that's the value, isn't it? Just being yeah. open and honest. Yeah. So on that note, uh, let's get into today's podcast. So I think what's working well is looking at something that's going on in our life right now and then diving into it, unscripted, unplanned, 
So what we normally do is we grab a coffee before this podcast and have a chat about some different things. I think what we'll talk about in this episode is not to harp on about alcohol. It's, alcohol's part of this, but it's not the, the core thing. Um, what we're going to be talking about is more attachment. Yeah. And what's triggered this is I went to a wedding the other week, my other half's uh, best friend or one of them was getting married and all my missus friends got together and they're a great group, really enjoy spending time with them. We went to a wedding in York and I didn't touch a drop and I went to the wedding with a very clear intention of not talking about the fact that I wasn't drinking. Um, but because of the stuff I've put out there, it came up within five minutes and probably five or six people wanted to have that conversation. Yeah. Why are you not drinking? And uh, it, it got me thinking... Um, and everyone, my missus has got a theory on why I'm doing it. Uh, I've got various theories. Other people had theories, but for me, what I'm trying to do in my life is drop attachment to things. And that's all I'm doing right now. It's yeah. trying to drop the attachment to alcohol and discover what was the nature of that relationship. Because a lot of people were saying to me, well, can't you just enjoy a glass of wine on the couch, like a nice quality glass of wine with your missus? Or like for me, I really enjoy watching the Six Nations with my dad and having a pint of Guinness. Yeah. Like, can I not do that now? But I think before I get back to that point, I need to establish what my relationship with alcohol is. Yeah. Is it just an attachment to the taste and the effect and it's because of what I've always done or do I actually enjoy that thing? Definitely. It's the, it's the, I've had the, the most conversations about that with the alcohol thing because I'm getting asked the same question. You know, why do you have to just give up? And for me, it, restricting myself now will mean I'll get rid of any attachment to it and then I can decide, you know, then I can think, well, I really would like to have a glass of wine with Mrs. here while having a nice meal. And later down the line, I might do that because I, th I actually think I do enjoy a glass of wine with the missus, but again, am I just attached to the relaxation of that, that the two glasses of wine brings me? So can't, is, is it actually that I can't fully relax <laughs> with my own missus? You know, and I'm not saying that that is the reason, but I almost need to have so much self-awareness that if it is a case that me and the missus can't relax together enough without a glass of wine, I would rather solve that problem without wine so that when we're not drinking wine midweek we're still very relaxed with yeah. each other and we're still having a great time you know even like you know people probably don't want to talk about this but how many people say the best sex they ever have is when they're pissed well why because it's the most relaxed they ever they are you know it's but that shouldn't be the case we need to get like you're saying about our true connection we need to get back to that you know your connection with your dad there watching the rugby should you just be able to really enjoy that moment with him without having a beer? Yeah, because what is beer essentially? It's just it's just a liquid. It's just like, a substance. Yeah. But then... But on the flip side... On the flip side of <laughs> yeah. attachment is that if I did want a glass of wine, am I now attached to this person that doesn't drink? <laughs> Stubbornness. <laughs> this like, I don't drink. That's who I am now. And so if I did want to have a beer at that wedding, no one would have noticed in really giving a fuck. Yeah. But am I now attached to being the guy that doesn't drink? Uh, but So I think I have to go through this long process of just not touching a drop, yeah. putting myself in these situations, 
and seeing how I feel. And if the desire does come up in the future, I'll have a better understanding of what that's about. I think it's the same as, you know, we talk about challenges. This is just another challenge, isn't it? And you you learn about yourself with every challenge. So not drinking at something like a wedding. Like I've got another wedding I'm groomsman for. We're going out the night before the wedding, just the groomsmen. And they're all going to be having, you know, four or five pints to relax the night before. And I'm not going to do that. It's going to be a challenge. And I need to understand how I feel in that challenge. I might come out of it going... I really, really wish I'd have had a couple of pints with them. So next time I'll do that. You know what I mean? But how do you know unless you ever try these things? How do you know unless you ever challenge your mind? That's what my missus thinks I'm doing, just proving to myself I can do it. It's a challenge. It's a self-improvement challenge. Maybe so. But there might be a part of that. But then what was really interesting about the wedding was that we went and uh, it was in York and we were looking at accommodation and it was like three or 400 quid for just a normal hotel. So I ended up driving there and back, which was great. Lots of advantage. Woke stingy up in my own bed. Stingy garf. <laughs> but woke up in my own bed the next day, not hungover, whatever. But I still managed to go and have a good time. Like I was still on the dance floor, still yeah. had great chats with people. And uh, at the end of the night, this guy who I just met, he was like, you're not drinking. He's like, how are you still here at half 12? Like, I'd be long gone by now. Like, I couldn't do that. I'd be well bored. And I was like... That's it. That's the attachment. You're saying you can't go to a celebration of a couple and have some nice food and a dance and a good time and you couldn't do that without being 10 pints deep. Boredom. Boredom. And that's where boredom and attachment sort of come together. I don't think we were going to touch on that, but it, it flows nicely into this attachment to things like alcohol or sugar or just eating in general is because we're bored. Yeah. Like the only time my diet really falls off is a Saturday when I'm in the house all day with my kids and I'm not working, I'm not busy in my mind. And then I find myself just eating way more on those days. Yeah. And I think that's why people overeat and overconsume. They overconsume media, food, drink, everything, because we can't spend any time by ourselves in our own heads. So I think it's boredom and it is also what you're describing there. Is your reality even exciting enough to spend any time there, you know, yeah. and obviously indulging. Well, that's just a a little yeah. bit of excitement, a little bit of enjoyment. Social media, you get to go in other people's lives, live a different life. Yeah, that, that's things. the pull of alcohol, isn't it? Yeah. You can, like, <laughs> if you just went to sit in a room on a Saturday and the football was on the telly, that's actually pretty boring. Yeah. Add alcohol into the mix and all of a sudden it becomes this fun, exciting thing. Yeah. And I think that sort of made me think now, that's the core reason I think I've actually stopped drinking is that I want to be able to go into a situation and just enjoy it in the moment without having to add alcohol into the mix to have a good time. Yeah. Like I don't want to have to drink to have a good time. And then obviously the downsides of drinking, like the next day my missus told me a mate, they had a blowout on the motorway and one of them was changing a tyre hungover and the other one was being sick in a plastic bag by the side oh of the road. And that just, to me, now that I've stopped drinking and had the joy of like running at 5am on a Sunday morning and just the amount of joy I'm getting out of that and not feeling like being sick in a bag, that just way outweighs the yeah. the fun in the moment of drinking. 
I think the connection thing, because obviously you drink as a, as a social enterprise, don't you? So you're, it's usually in groups or you're out. It comes down to the people because I went out for a meal on Sunday and my group wasn't drinking. We had a great time, some great chat. Group behind us were absolutely mortal drunk, obviously been out for the football all day. This guy's like grabbing onto me like, sorry, mate, stick this piece of cinnamon up your nose. I was just like, mate, get off me. You know what I mean? Like, please, you're invading my space. And it's them moments that you can't stand being in that environment with somebody who's drunk. But I almost think you could enjoy people who just had one or two drinks and didn't turn into idiots. That's the problem with alcohol. The substance turns you into a... So, completely different so is, is it more about our culture then? Because one of the big moments of questioning myself around this was when I was on holiday in France and I was looking at French families having meals in this little campsite restaurant and they were just having a quiet glass of wine. The kids didn't have any iPads or anything. It was all just everyone engaged in the meal. And there's the Brits like just caning the pints and the wine and the cocktails. Yeah. So maybe a lot of this is just our British culture I'm sure if we lived in Portugal or France or grew up in Spain we probably wouldn't have these problems with alcohol our social pressure to drink in our culture is horrendous how many times have you been away on a lad's holiday and bumped ended up speaking to some foreigners and they're just like what are you doing yeah you guys are crazy they hate us (laughs) all these countries hate us yeah but yeah where does that come from this like that, I don't even know. It's got to be something. Like these conversations we're having about alcohol, in other, if a French person listens to it, they'd just be like, what are you on about? Yeah. I bet it turns up, but just not... It's, it's just everywhere, isn't it, for us? It's everywhere. I don't know many people who don't drink. Put it that way. I don't know many people who don't drink. But what triggered this little section of the conversation was you saying one or two pints, but it just seems like no one can actually do that in this country. No. No, no, absolutely not, mate, yeah, because... And does that come are... back down to the fact that we're all so bored or something? Well, I think it's what I was going to mention. Or... Yes, what I was going to mention, the, the conversation I have with people a lot who alcohol is a problem for, the thing they always say, just so stressed, mate. You know, it just, I get home from work, I've had a long day, stressed. I have to spend an hour with the kids, just manic. I just want to crack open four or five pints. So what they're actually doing... He's escaping from the stress and chaos of life. So I actually think our culture is completely overworked, completely overstressed, and that has led us to this huge drink problem. Yeah, because we're all escaping. We're trying to relax. I did but it. For is a our section. economy even that? Well, let's not get into economy. But I think you could draw parallels with, say, Britain and America historically being wealthy, productive countries. Yeah. I don't know if that's still the case for Britain anymore. There's a lot of chat around that we don't actually work very hard in this country, but yeah, there's got to be something oh, long I would ago. Say we are very work driven. We are. Ve- um, I spent some time to, in Italy. Yeah, yeah. They have a break at 10 a.m. They're back out at 1 p.m. You know, they're having a fag and a coffee, a nice <laughs> chat. It's very social, yes, very. You know, yeah. like, it's and the there's nothing thing. wrong with it. If you go to a good Italian restaurant, there'll be like lots of 40, 50 year old blokes working there and being a waiter in a restaurant is a perfectly yeah. um, respectable living. Very respectable job, yeah. You know, and staying in your own village or town and doing that. 
like go on holiday. That's what all the staff are. Yeah. Where in England, in England or, or Britain, if you work in a restaurant at forty five, yeah, or on a bar, you're deemed as like, yeah. So does it all fall back to this massive pressure pressure of like striving to? Yeah. So that, that must be embedded in our culture. Yeah. Maybe it's little man syndrome. Like we're a sort of an island, a very small island. Yeah. Um, We'll never We've got know. to fend we'll, for we'll ourselves, know, isolated, and we had to work very hard and be probably yeah. evil bastards to actually survive. It's literally just come from and it's just come from that generations. That yeah, we've put so much pressure on ourselves that anyway, who knows where it comes from? But there, there can be no denying that we're massively attached to escapism, and that's not just alcohol. That's Sugar, food. Yeah. Look at the shape of people in our country. Absolutely, mate. And Maybe weather plays a part as well. Yeah, definitely, because that because that leads to boredom, doesn't it? Because yeah. the the weather's crap, so we sit in. Yeah. We're bored. You know, the weather's crap. We go to a restaurant. Well, what else do you do in a restaurant other than eat and drink? Mm, yeah. You know, it's like. But if you could hit the beach every night and have a little barbecue on the beach. You might have a couple of casual beers, but there'd be no reason to get mortal drunk. Yeah. I still think there's plenty to do. You know, I do a lot of hiking, walking. You've just got to be willing to go out in the wet and cold and, <laughs> and enjoy that. Yeah. You know, like... It's, it's hard with kids and stuff, though, isn't it, to be I'm, like... Everything's hard, though, isn't it? You know... It's yeah. all coming back to the bloody comfort crisis. Yeah. It's an interesting thought, isn't it, around where this... I think we're touching on some interesting points around where this relationship with alcohol comes from. Yeah. Um, but we're trying to get to the bottom of... This is just a self-exploration of what what is it to us? You know, yeah. and that's where this conversation started, wasn't it? You're trying to figure out, well, am I attached to alcohol in situations or will there be a case that actually I do want to have a beer in that moment, you know, and... You've got to figure that out. Yeah. But I don't think there'll ever be a case for me where I binge drink no. in the way I did. I don't no. think that has a place. Well, my missus keeps saying to me... What's that? <laughs> Stag do. Stag do, yeah. <laughs> well, my missus keeps saying to me, you know, she's like, the best thing I've heard about this is just drink way less, way less often. Um, and I, I'm like, yeah, maybe. But I need to... I need to completely detach myself from it so much that I just have complete clarity yeah. over my relationship with alcohol. Because I was nowhere near an addict. It's not like I'm in danger of relapsing into, yeah. you know, being 15 pints a day living in the gutter. It's not, you know, it's not that type of thing. It's more just I need to leave it long enough to then make a judgment. Yeah. And now I'm over 100 days without a drop and I just don't want it. Yeah. That, that was what I was saying to people in the end, is that ultimately I just don't want it. Yeah. And But I think what's important is that when it the time comes that maybe I'm on holiday and I think, oh, I do fancy a really nice glass of French red wine, that I'm not being attached to being the sober man. Yeah. And that that's just ego. Yeah. So. And I think you'll, you'll, you'll gain that awareness, definitely. I can feel it already. Like I, I was attached to relaxation from a bottle of wine. We'd open one, me and Meredith, and I would have one glass. She'd have half a glass, mate, and she could just put it down. Mm. Well, I'd finish my glass, and I'd be like looking at the bottle, <laughs> pour myself another. I'd finish that next one. Then I'd feel it, and I'd be like, 
five, one more, I'm going to have the best sleep ever. I'm going to feel so relaxed. Boom. Sleep fucked. Yeah. Proven after it's got one glass I of fell wine. asleep like a baby. Because <laughs> I'm like, on good, the couch. You wouldn't have had good sleep though. No, always wake up about 3 a.m. Yeah. 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 So... So I, I did identify an attachment, which is yeah. why I have chosen to stop. And I had an attachment in social scenarios and stuff like that. Yeah. What triggered it all for me was being, it, it was like Saturday afternoon, kids' birthday party, like when my daughter turned five last summer in May, I got absolutely steaming <laughs> on the barbecue. And it was like, in the future, I just don't, I don't want to have to get yeah. steaming drunk. A five-year-old's birthday party. A five-year-old birthday party because I'm bored or because I think it's fun. Like, I just don't want to have to do that anymore. And, mm. you know, a lot of the mums just had a couple of Aperol spirits and, and went home and had a nice time. But yeah. that's just well done to them. Yeah. You know, they can control it. Obviously, I couldn't. Well, that's the thing. And I think the people who don't resonate with what we're saying, well, maybe they're not. They haven't got a problem. They've not got a problem. You know, no. not, not mine. I have an attachment. I don't think Meredith, yeah. my partner, does. No. And my, my partner definitely doesn't have a problem or an attachment and therefore it's not an issue to her yeah. but out of some of her friends at that wedding some of whom do like to drink quite a lot they were the ones that were saying I'm I'm pretty I'm I'm very interested in what you're doing yeah and why you're doing it they'll feel it because they can feel it mm. so uh yeah I think I think that makes sense definitely yeah and yeah. I think you know I posted on Instagram 100 days sober and I lost 10 followers or something yeah. and maybe they were all just people who haven't got a problem and they're like yeah. that's not a problem for me definitely there's people who how don't many D, how many DMs are we getting from people who it is a problem yep who were just where we were six months ago so I'm um, eight weeks full sober but now you get attached to the numbers as well, don't you? Well, I, I only worked out the other day because I saw your 100 days and I was like, how many days am I? <laughs> yeah, well, I was using this app where you pledge every day not to drink and I've just stopped doing the pledge. I don't need to do it, yeah. but it's still counting the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm proud but, of myself, mate. I'm, yeah. I am. It means something to me, so I'm proud of myself. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So I don't know how you'd summarise that conversation. I think it's, it's if something is causing conflict in your life, like, drink or food or whatever it is just explore it yeah I, th I think a good question to ask yourself at times is why do i do that now i'm not saying you have to overanalyze your life but maybe just every now and again just say why do i do that you know if you're that person and everyone always goes oh you know you're always in the pub you're always getting drunk maybe sit down and just say why do mm -hmm. i do that so often and explore it you know yeah. we're not saying it's a problem we're just saying, explore that and see what comes for you. That's all it is, isn't it? 100%. Self-exploration. All right, mate. Happy days. See you in the next one.